Welcome, everyone, to Not Playing to Win. It's a board game podcast for the birds. Oh. <laughs> uh, do, you see, do you see what I did there? I did. I did. <laughs> My name is Kate, and with me, as always, is Sarah. Hello. Arizona. Hey. Our friend Emily is back, if you remember her from our betrayal episode. Hi again. And we have a very special guest here to talk about birds. Her name is Hannah. She currently works as an avian care specialist at the Alaska Raptor Center in Sitka, Alaska. She's been working with birds, though, for seven plus years. Hi, Hannah. Thanks for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Are you excited to talk about birds? I'm so excited to talk about birds. Is everyone excited to talk about birds? I'm always excited Um, to talk about birds. I'm excited to talk about wingspan birds, but we'll get into that later. Okay. (laughs) If you haven't picked this up already, this episode is bird-themed because we're talking about... Wingspan! Wingspan is a game for one to five players. It takes about 40 to 70 minutes. The theme is birds, obviously, as you've guessed. (laughs) It's designed by Elizabeth Hargraves and produced by Stonemaier Games. In this game, you are a bird nerd and you want to collect birds as do we all, I think, mm-hmm. right? It's a common goal. <laughs> Maybe that's just me. <laughs> it's a very simple game, I think, to teach. Uh, you have a choice of four actions that you can do during the game. They are play a bird, get food from the bird feeder, lay eggs, or draw new bird cards. And you are essentially doing an engine building game as you play more birds into your habitats you become able to do more and more complicated things and get better stuff, more food, more eggs, extra birdies. And yeah, the goal is yeah. to play birds, to help you get more birds, to help you do better bird abilities, mm-hmm. to help you get more birds. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. like lay eggs and get yeah, yeah. stuff, but mostly it's just about having as many birds. Yeah. The game yeah, is you're all bird nerds trying to be the best at doing bird nerdy things. Mm-hmm. You want to get all the birds, because that's really all bird nerds care about, is like collecting all the birds. Yeah. By which I mean just seeing all the yeah. birds. Yeah. <laughs> you have to write down in your bird journal that you saw like the most mm-hmm. species mm-hmm. of bird. Yeah. I'm, I'm not like a real life bird nerd, but like do bird watchers have their bird nerd journals? And oh, you just, yeah. Like, yes. like yes. if you see the bird, do you just like... You Absolutely. have to you write to, down like, what bird you that? saw and mm-hmm. where it was yeah. and maybe like the habitat you saw it in or if you the heard it weather calling, weather. Yeah. It's kind of like the um, Pokedex of... People, people have yes. life birds, which are, like, birds that they have been searching for mm. their whole life. Mm. They have lists. Every year, there's the big year contest, which is who can see the most kind of birds in a year. Oh, and wow. And people will legit bankrupt themselves to, like, fly to this golf course where there's this <laughs> duck that normally isn't there. But, oh, my gosh, we got to put it on our list. I know one time Hannah made us drive out, like, 40 <laughs> minutes from our house because there were, like, reports of, like, an owl sighting, like, out in the mm-hmm. suburbs. Or oh, maybe yeah. it was a different bird. But she's, you know, tuned into all the bird groups. <laughs> so we had to go <laughs> on an expedition. And it was, like, in the middle of winter. So we are just, like, tromping around on this frozen lake in January. Like, where is this bird hand? <laughs> That's not something everyone has done. <laughs> <laughs> I've done you're that a lot. About it, you also let me drag you to Duluth so we could go to Hawk, Hawk Ridge or Hawk Mountain. So well, we could go see some birds. Hawk Ridge was really cool. There were a lot of cool I birds there. Was there hawks 
On ridges? In fact, well, we were, were on a ridge, and the hawks were flying around it. Okay. But it was okay. exciting. Yeah. You could get some close-up shots of birds. Hawks do good migration. And, and they were actually like there. some stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this mystery owl. <laughs> Look, at we're already going off the anyway. <laughs> <laughs> This game is also about seeing birds, but you see them in card form. <laughs> Not in real life, probably. The birds in this game are all based on real North American birds, and the art for the game is based very closely on, like, the Audubon Society or, like, bird field guide books, and it's very, they're all very pretty. I like all the birds in it. They are really pretty, and it does have mm-hmm. that feel of looking mm-hmm. in, like, the bird guides. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it's the kind of art you'd see if you were trying to identify a bird yeah. that you saw in the wild. Yeah. And I don't know, I, I got this game like last year and I have played it a million and a half times. Yeah. <laughs> your your copy of the game has been to Alaska. It's also been on a cruise. Uh-huh. Uh we've taken it quite a few places. Yeah. It's really got it's got it's gone around. Taken it to a cabin before. I borrow Wings <laughs> your copy when I, when I can. If you're doing this much traveling with Wingspan, do you think we should get it like a bird journal and just leave it in the box uh, and we can log all the birds we see while we're playing Wings? You can't uh, see my face right now, but it's trying. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that That idea. would be cute. I feel like <laughs> you guys are going to have to get so much better at identifying birds. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be hard for you guys to identify we'll, we'll them. We'll just flip through all the cards and be like, which one is that? Which one is yeah. that? Where's the card? Where's the card? And you can, you can know what ones to expect by the little habitat. So, like, if you're in a prairie, don't be looking for forest oh, birds. yeah. Well, something I really like about this game is that I feel like it is very easy to teach people. Um, I've taught it to all my family who, if you've listened to this podcast, are not always, like, the greatest at learning games. <laughs> because the rules are so simple of, like, what actions you can take, it's very easy to teach. But it is quite a complicated game in terms of, like play style and they're like how to win you can do a lot of different cool things with it plus there are just so many different birds <laughs> that once you learn it it's still fun to play it like yeah like you said like a hundred times yeah because it's different every time because you never know which birds are going to come out and all the birds like have different abilities so it plays different. exactly mm-hmm. i like how so we're talking about like on talking about parks how when we play that and i'm like i've been to this national park i've been to this <laughs> national park i played this game with both sarah and hannah where you guys have been like I've seen this bird, and oh, yeah. I've seen this bird, and I know this bird. Is it as annoying? And, like, yeah. <laughs> it's super annoying, because I'm like, God, it's just a stupid bird. But, you know. I feel like seeing the bird is more exciting than having visited the National Park. Anyone can go visit a National Park. Yeah. It takes actual skill to find yeah, and see work a for those birds. <laughs> but what if you have natural bird skill, like, uh, like Snow White just walks into the forest and they all land on her? <laughs> she is not... Uh, documenting person. the birds that she's seeing, so clearly not a true bird. <laughs> she lets them sing and probably poop on her. I mean, birds poop a lot. I mean, the no magic regard. of Disney princesshood probably prevents the poop from. It just like slides off her arm, though. She's <laughs> like Teflon coated. It's so like hydrophobic material, but it's just like bird poop phobic <laughs> material. So, do we want to talk about the bits in this game? Yes. Well, first, before we move away from the how to play, Mm -hmm. we did ask people on Instagram to send us their questions, and a couple of them related to gameplay, so we should probably do that first. Okay. So the normal rule for the game at the beginning is that you just draw five Mm -hmm. bird cards, I think, um, which is fine, but sometimes you can definitely just draw shitty birds. So Instagram user... (laughs) Are there shitty birds? (laughs) Are any birds shitty? Birds that do not line up with your goals. Yeah. 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 You have a whole bunch of birds that are very different from what your goal is. 
confused and he could be just like a little upset. All good birds are good birds, Bron. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram user at Wintermute says, I saw someone suggest that everyone draft their opening hands once, which seems like it would be a good variant since it is possible to get mm-hmm. a bad opening hand and then just be sad the whole game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that even doesn't negatively impact the game in any way, but mm-hmm. you can just, yeah, draft. So basically draw a hand, pick a card and then pass. Yeah. Um, so everyone is kind of seeing more bird cards, which one, I feel like helps you target the birds that you want, but also mm. might prevent just someone getting an amazing hand that's just going to blow true. everybody out of the water. Yeah, we, we tried this. it last night and mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of liked it. It was fun. I was sad because <laughs> I had two birds I really wanted in my starting hand. So like I had a hard like, oh God, do I go with this one or this one? And then I felt full of regret for passing up on one of the birds, <laughs> but then I got the new hand and I felt like, oh, but look at these new like possibilities mm-hmm. of birds. It mm-hmm. was, it was kind of exciting to try the drafting method. Like I liked it because I have gotten like a hand that's just not ideal for what I want to do, like my goal or yeah, the like end my, round goals. My goal is to see every single bird that can exclusively live in the forest and my entire hand mm-hmm. is water birds. Yeah. And then I, like I've been the person who like played and trashed all my bird cards at the beginning and kept only food, but then you have to get bird cards and it's so at the beginning it is so hard to get things that i'm like i don't want to like spend three turns drawing bird cards just so i have something to do i liked drafting the cards but in my now experience drafting it didn't affect my ability to win the game (laughs) do any better i was able to target we're not playing a good variant we're not trying to you know really skew the yeah i guess that's what what i'm saying like i I, kept uh, it balanced i did equally as bad as I would have done <laughs> if I had not drafted my own cards. I still it, it made poor you, decisions. It gave you more control. Yeah, it made me your feel, family. and it made me feel like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. I'm starting out great, but yeah. I still was the biggest loser when we <laughs> and also, you get to look at more birds right away, which is only a positive in my mind. Yeah, you do get to And then speaking of seeing all the birds and their different abilities, some of them, I mean, if played a certain way, can be very powerful. So we had Instagram user at Olo Designs ask, does anyone have a fix for how powerful the ravens are? Uh, so the ravens, if you don't just like know this off the top <laughs> of your head, um, their brown power ability is um, that you you can pay one egg and get two random, not random, two of food your of your choice. choice from the supply, not the bird feeder, which is really good because, like, normally you have to go through the bird feeder, which is somewhat randomized. And, like, if you put, for example, if you put that raven in your prairie, so you are laying eggs when you activate it, then it becomes sort of like the a magical food machine. Yeah, a magical yeah. food machine for you. I don't know. There are, the thing about it is there's so many any bird cards in the game that like I feel like the fact that you got the raven is just like lucky. lucky. Like there's yeah. so many bird cards that are not that useful in my opinion. Like ones that are only worth like one or two points yeah. and also their power is something like cash a worm Wheat if there's available. a worm. Yeah, if there's a worm in the bird feeder or something. Which doesn't happen like that often to me that like it's helpful. And last night I got uh, a raven but I still lost. Still lost. It didn't. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. overpowered yeah. for me. Um, But I have in terms of like fixes if you do feel like it's overpowered like there are two ravens you could take out one of the ravens or not play with any of them at all the drafting could also help with this too because it would make yeah. sure that does someone doesn't just like get stupid lucky and just start yeah. with two ravens or something yeah mm-hmm. yeah um one of them i think can only be played in the prairie and one of them can be played in any territory so maybe that would help balance it if you only do the one that can be played in one section of your board because then it can't 
kind of work for any action that you do. I have never really felt like it was a problem in terms of, like, making that person run away with the game score or anything. Hannah, how does this relate to real life? Do you feel that ravens are one of the most powerful birds <laughs> in your life? I, I think it's incredibly accurate to real life. Um, ravens could take over if they wanted to. Uh, not really. Ra- but, I mean, ravens are super smart and adaptable, and they can eat whatever they want and, like, live wherever they want. And, yeah. The power definitely. If a, if like- a raven tried to fight me, I would just, I would let it win. No <laughs> Even if I beat it up, it would it would call its raven mate, and then they would eat my eyeballs. <laughs> the power definitely, like, fits the actual the bird's, like, lifestyle yeah. for this, I think, which is cool. 20 years from now, if ravens rule the world, I will not be surprised. <laughs> Only if they want to. Only 20 years from now? Wow, it's pretty soon. <laughs> I don't know. At the parking lot, all the, all the juvenile ravens, like, flock around people when they bring out groceries, and, like, if anyone drops a crumb of bread, it is a madhouse. We're pretty lucky in America that we don't have, like, the... What are they in Australia that just like swoop down and like um, dive bomb people? I think but they're, they're like kind a type of magpie. Of, or yeah, but yeah. they're like a type of bird that's similar to a raven or a crow, yeah, yeah. and they just like dive bomb people. Asshole blue jays will dive bomb you mm-hmm. if you're close. I don't that's because you're close to their nest. <laughs> I know <laughs> those assholes defending their babies. Well, we were talking about how raven the power reflects raven, but like all of the birds' powers do. It. It's yeah, like scientifically mm-hmm. based, accurate, like accurate on like what their normal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because, like, I know I had, one bir- I had one bird yesterday, and I don't remember the name. I'm sorry, Hannah. <laughs> um, I'll forgive you. But I know, like, the ability was if someone else laid an egg, then this bird could make an egg appear in a different nest. Mm, and then it was the probably little- a cuckoo. And then the little fun fact was that it, when when situations and environments are good for this bird, they do have a tendency to just, like, lay extra eggs in other birds' nests. <laughs> yeah. I think that's very cool that they, like, matched the bird's yeah. powers to, like, yeah. the actual what the actual bird does. And, like, for most of the raptors, when their powers act, Activated, they can eat a bird from the deck if that bird like is an appropriate size, mm-hmm. which I just think is delightful. Oh, I guess one thing we didn't talk about in terms of playability yet is the player count. They do have a one-player variant for this where you play against what is called the automata. I haven't officially played with it, but I did kind of like look over and test it a little bit before we recorded the podcast. And it seems interesting. The automata plays, you essentially play exactly as you would um, play normally against other people, but the automata doesn't get to like play bird cards and stuff, for example, and it doesn't get to like collect food, but it has these cards that are played that dictate what happens for it during the round, which can also in turn affect you. Like it could take all of a certain kind of food from the bird feeder or it can wipe the draw piles for the bird cards and get new ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's trying to mimic the unpredictability of yeah, playing with yeah. people. Um, but the, the one thing that I thought was really funny about the one player version is that they have the most difficult level of playing by yourself. They had a card called the Automa Bond Society. <laughs> <laughs> In reference to the Autobahn Society, which I just thought was really funny, clever play on words. <laughs> um, but I have played this game with all the other player counts, like two through five. And um, I think that it plays really fast with two is what I've noticed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it seems like scale wise in terms of like how it plays, it really does well across all number of players. And we actually just last night added a sixth player, which we didn't have a board for the sixth player and we added cubes from Clank to make up for the lack of cubes. But like, it still worked because there's so many gold cards and so many bird cards. We're still able to add it. It just made it longer. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I really like, changed was the end of round goals, which yeah. I think we could have adjusted for better. Yeah. But 
I've also seen people on the internet play um, where they have two copies and they combine it to do a, a eight to ten player game, which I think would be a little unwieldy, and I'd rather just play two side by side games. It would take yeah. five hours. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think I have seen people do it, and so you can actually scale it up even higher yeah. number of player counts. I've also done two players where you play it with two players, and then you just play another round of two players because the first round didn't go the way you wanted it to. <laughs> or because you're just so addicted to wings. Or <laughs> well, it was a little bit of both. look at more birds. You beat me really good. I did really bad. <laughs> I don't know how to put that in better words. I did real bad, though, and I demanded a rematch. <laughs> Immediately. An immediate Maybe you should just match. do better at birds. Yeah. I did better the second time. You did. <laughs> It plays so fast when you play with two people. It's like you finish it and you feel almost sad that it didn't go longer. You're <laughs> like, like I'm not. Well, yeah, I'm you just done. have to play twice in a row. There's no reason not to. Yeah. I think almost every time I've played it two player, I think I have usually yeah. played it twice in a row because it's just out. It's all set up. Yeah. May as well just do it. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good game of wingspan. What do you want to do next? Wingspan. <laughs> bits. Bits. Should we talk about the base? The game comes with base bits. Yeah, the base bits are actually very nice. It comes with a dice tower shaped like a bird house, a bird mm-hmm. house, or a bird feeder, maybe. It looks more like a bird house, but its functionality is supposed to be. Yeah, because that's where the food maybe. Yeah, that's where the nice wooden dice with the food food symbols come out of is the bird feeder dice tower. Um, and then it comes with cardboard, food tokens, um, wooden cubes. The inserts for this are really nice, though. There's a nice plastic tray that holds all your uh, bird cards and bonus cards. And I like especially the box has a diagram of how to put away this game in a way that, like, makes it feel very, like, neatly organized. I love it. Everything packs in I know, it's so really nice. Neat. It's really nice. And... One thing that I like a lot is that the rule book is just, like, a really nice rule book. It, yeah, you pick it up and you're like, this isn't just, like, normal paper. This is, like, nicer yeah. than normal text. Yeah, and I know it sounds lame, but, like, a, a nice rule book, not just in terms of, like, being printed on nice paper and stuff, but the rule book is also, like, very well organized, mm-hmm. is kind of, like, a revelation when you play <laughs> yeah. games sometimes. You're like, oh my god, I can read these rules once and understand how to set it up and everything. You'll, like, read it three times, the same sentence three times over and you're just like, yeah. what? Yeah. I, what? You have a question, you can find the answer in a yeah. timely manner. Yeah, it's really good. And anytime I've handed it, if I tell people to touch the rule book, I go touch it. Yeah. I think every single time people are going, oh. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like the first time I introduce someone to Wingspan, I do want to be like, wait, here, touch the rule book. Like, yeah. and I find it important for them to feel it. It's like linen or something. Linen paper. And someone paper. pointed out to me today that on the back of the yeah. rule book is a bunch of links to how to play videos and some other resources that can make it really easy to learn. Like rules in to, another yeah, language. Yeah, I like rules in another language because yeah, birds also, are for everyone. Birds are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It also gives the link for how to contact Stolmeyer for replacement bits if you lose anything. Mm. Um, and we've actually had to do that for other games, I think Scythe, and they will get, if you're missing bits from your game, they will get them to you in like two days. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. That's nice. Nice. So then you want to talk about the upgrades for the yeah. bats. So basically you can upgrade like everything in this game. So first for like the food tokens, there's a couple of different ways to go with it. I've seen one from little metal coins so instead of the cardboard with the printed 
image of the food on. You can get metal coins with a printed image of the Ooh. food on it. But well, birds can't eat metal. Birds can't eat metal. So what you can do is get like little either. wooden tokens shaped like the food. So shaped like the fish, shaped like the wheat. <laughs> or you can also get them printed in plastic as well. So, I mean, I sort of feel like the wood ones that are shaped like the, the wheat and the fish and the mm-hmm. berries are one of the best options. Yeah, but I have the wooden food uh, tokens and I love them. <laughs> and I do not have them and I am insanely jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then for the the eggs, you know, the eggs are the only ones I haven't seen an upgrade thing for, but that's because oh, yeah, they're perfect the way they are is because they're just eggs. I did see one recommended upgrade. I saw someone made a post on Instagram recently. I think their username was Emily Meeple. So look them up because they're a genius. But they suggested using Easter candy, like the Cadbury mini eggs, instead of, oh, instead of the eggs. <laughs> um, because then whenever you spend an egg, you get to oh. eat it. And then if you want more candy, you just have to lay more eggs. And it's brilliant, and I love it, and I'm really sad that it's not Easter right Sounds now. Sounds delicious. That I, can't, I, don't like, yeah. I think my yeah. strategy would wildly change. It also feels like you're cannibalizing your own eggs a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Like, yeah. I'm a bird, and I'm so hungry, I ate my children. <laughs> some, some birds eat other birds' eggs, yeah. right? So yeah, you're just definitely. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so you're just pretend you're, pretend you're a jaunty little, little lizard and you're eating the eggs. Um, <laughs> Joanna. Oh, you rescue yourself. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> jo- you had a rescue. You, you were trying there. to say it in Australian accent, weren't you? Yes, I was. Joanna. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what <laughs> So, but for your eggs, you can, instead of just like having them loose, you can get nests. So, I've seen people oh, having like cute. little nests. I think you can. Probably just go to a craft store and get, or you can buy them online mm-hmm. so that they feel extra fancy resting inside the nests. You can also get an upgraded dice tower. So instead of, even though it comes with a very nice cardboard, the bird feeder dice tower mm-hmm. that you use is very nice. You can also get like a wooden one as well. You I've get, seen some people paint those wooden ones too and they look beautiful. Does yeah. anyone have that? It looks yeah. like an actual bird. Oh, okay. Our, I wonder how heavy it is. We have a friend who got the wooden one and then painted it as well, and it looks... Really They're not heavy. Special. They're made out of, like, thin... Oh, it's, like, thin plywood. Thin yeah. wood balls. Yeah. Okay. That'd and be then, fun. It'd be fun to paint one. Instead mm-hmm. of the little cubes you use to mark your actions, I've seen two different routes. One, you can get little birdhouses oh, in the player cards, which I, like I think that. are cute. So you I think Different shapes, cute. different colored birdhouses. And the other one is you get bird, like, tokens or bird meeples. Beeples. And... <laughs> Beeples, yes. I maintain that beeples are bee meeples. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I think that's better, honestly. Bird meeples? There's nothing. Beeples. Beeples. Ooh. And there's a couple Sheeples. different <gasps> Yes. Oh my gosh. Great. Beeples. <laughs> Some of them sound like they're making little laser noises, but <laughs> I digress. <laughs> I'm really excited because I know, Sarah, you ordered some of the cheaples. Yeah, I did the Kickstarter for the new, um, the, it's part of the new European, European expansion. expansion. There's some European bird meeples and mm-hmm. I don't have the expansion yet, but I wanted, I wanted those beautiful birds. <laughs> which was a good way to bring up the expansion, which is coming out because the base game only includes North American birds. But now they're coming up with European birds, so it includes 
all new European birds who, and then as well as more bonus cards. And it includes purple eggs. So in the base game, there are purple like action cubes, but the purple eggs are kind of almost like just slightly almost white. T- they're yeah. almost white. They're, there's like a slight tinge of yeah. like a lavender maybe, but these ones include like full colored purple eggs, which as someone who loves purple, I'm very excited about. <laughs> so. <laughs> there's any bird that lays eggs that are that purple <laughs> are there birds that lay eggs that are that green or that blue robin yeah, for sure robin okay blue yeah. Yeah. that green green there are like some birds that like paler green or like that mottled yeah. green i was gonna ask can you name a european bird arizona <laughs> i was gonna say she has a, a favorite owl? one oh a snowy oh, owl a little owl Oh yeah, any of the ones that I got meeples for. Yeah, right, right, right. What would what would you say your favorite bird tit. from the? There we go. <laughs> a great tit. <laughs> it's just great. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Super great. great tit. But like, really, if you just search on Etsy or anywhere online for wingspan extensions, there's such a wide variety. Like, I was amazed by like the quality and quantity mm-hmm. of expansions for this game, which I think just really shows like. Upgrades. How much of her upgrades, yeah. sorry, of the upgrade components, like how much people love this game. People like, love this game. I mean, obviously all of us included, but I think <laughs> yeah. in general this game has been really well received and that definitely shows with how many different upgrade things you can get. Yeah. I mean, not just through Etsy, but even Meeple Source, which is, yeah. I think, just like kind of a part of Stonemaier Games, the manufacturer. They, I think, make more upgrades for this game than a lot of their other games. Because a lot, those all those painted bird meeples are from them. Jeez. You can get like an upgraded first player mm-hmm. token. They were selling a version oh. of the nest at Gen Con. Yeah, they had a version of the wooden bird feeder yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Oh, because there is one that's a, a broken token, so it doubles as a like an insert game organizer, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's just a ton of shit you can get for this game because they know that everybody loves it. Yeah. All right, so we're going to move on and talk about the theme of this game in more depth, which is, of course, birds. Birds. <laughs> and I think before we get too deep into the birds themselves, we need to kind of address something that comes up very frequently with this game. Um, one person who, who sent us an Instagram comment yesterday um, at Small Fries Games just said, I always wondered why they chose birds as the theme. And a lot of people say this because apparently this just kind of shows like how different other people's experiences is from my own because, I mean, I know birds nerds um, <laughs> and professional bird industry professionals. Yeah. Um, but because my thought was just more, why not birds? Yeah. And so I- just why do people think like why, what is it about birds that does make it a good theme? Because I mean, some people just really don't get it. So what? What is it, I think, about birds that really lends itself to be such a good game theme? I think, I mean, if you want to if, if have a game based off a group of some kind of animals, birds have the most species. There's like 10,000 different species of birds, so there's a lot of variety. Um, where mammals have like 5,500-ish. You could do like beetles or something, but no one wants to look at that many pictures <laughs> But the beetles, problem with like except for an entomologist. Or, or, uh, yeah, other reptiles or stuff. You can maybe, I'd be maybe do beetle. like... Some people might like it, but with birds, you know, you can sit in your living room and look Mm -hmm. at birds and watch them eat and watch chickadees be jerks to other birds because they're so tiny, but they'll just like yell at crows and I love it. Um, And you can hear them and you can see them. Whereas like if you're really, really into mammals, uh, you are getting up super, super early or staying out late or just seeing them on trail cams. But you can you can be a casual birder or you can just not even call yourself that. You can walk down the street and be like, hey, a bird, neat. Yeah, uh, I think, so, yeah, they're just so accessible because everyone sees birds, yeah. even if they're not trying to. Yeah. For me, I uh, I pre-ordered this game 
without reading anything about it other than the fact that it was about birds. <laughs> because I like birds. And so, like, for me, I was like, oh, a bird game. I don't see a lot of bird games. I have, like, two other bird games, but, like, they're not well known. And I don't, like, I haven't really met anybody else who's played them. And so, like, this game, I was like, oh, a bird game. And it's got cool pictures that look just like the pictures in, like, my field guide. And I was like, sold. Yeah. I want it. And then, like, when you actually play the game, like, it's really tailored towards being about birds. It's not just, like, that they slapped on a theme, any theme. Like, the whole basis of the game is sort of built around what abilities these birds actually have. Like, they use so many facts about the birds, including, like, what they eat, what kind of nests they build, Mm -hmm. what kind of eggs they lay and stuff. Like, everything is really based in, like, the real actual facts of these birds, which I think is makes it, like, really cool. It's, like, a very deep dive into the theme. I think I read some interview with Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer somewhere, where she had said, like, even down to, like, the number of eggs that Mm -hmm. they lay. Because, like, like, each bird can lay, like, between one and five eggs. And in the wild, I mean, birds can lay, like, any number of eggs, but, like, relatively to scale is supposed to be, like, kind of how many eggs that type of bird would lay. So it's just so detailed. Yeah, it definitely doesn't feel like a skin that just got like pasted onto a, an empty and, game design. And, like and it's a game without their, birds. Some games oh. can really feel like that, where it's yeah. like this game, the mechanic. I've done this mechanic so many times, and you just changed it from being about trains to being about zombies or something <laughs> like that. Like you know, this zombies game is like train. this game was made to be about birds, and like while it's the engine building mechanic, like you thought through it. To make it like tailored towards birds. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and one other one other thing in defense of birds, since that's why I'm here. Even though there is such a variety of species, they're so different depending on where they live and what they eat. Where like mm-hmm. with mammals, if you're a carnivore, you're probably big, you got some sharp bits, you're gonna eat other things. But with birds, if you're a carnivore, you could be a raptor, you could be a loggerhead shrike, which are these little songbirds that impale their food on thorns. Um you that's could be metal. <laughs> An oyster catcher who just, like, eats oysters. Yeah, shrikes are terrifying. <laughs> oh, but they're great. And that's that's why I like birds, is because you can look at them and see what kind of food they eat or how they fly, and you don't even really need to know that in detail. You can just look at their beak and then go online and find a bigger nerd who's like, if it's this beak, they eat this kind of stuff. Uh, so if you want to attract more to your bird feeder, you can be like, hey, goldfinches, I will give them sunflower seeds. God, sounds like a lot. You don't have to. I'm, I'm just saying person, if you want to. I'm the person here who doesn't like, who likes birds the least. What do you like? She likes going to all the national parks. Oh, right. <laughs> but not to look at the birds. So I'm not the biggest fan of birds. And I think I remember making fun of Sarah, like, the first time I played this, just because Sarah was so excited about all the birds. And, and look I was how like, long you were. And I think I was making fun of you for being such a bird nerd. But, like, the mechanics of this game and how pretty it is, because, like, I can appreciate the art of birds and how pretty mm-hmm. they are, is just so well done and like it's such a good game so like the replayability mm-hmm. of this game is so good and like i really appreciate that even though actual birds birds irl i'm like <laughs> you could two years ago <laughs> you asked me what a bird was on the street i was like that's a, a robin <laughs> like the most common american bird <laughs> But now it used to be like, Ugh, what's that bird? Gross. Now Arizona could probably actually identify maybe like five Ooh. to ten. Yeah, birds and she's in your education for game too. Like eight years, <laughs> eight years, five birds in eight years. Good job. And I really hope everyone's listening to that because I feel like a lot of times when people bring up Wingspan, they just say, "Well, I'm really not interested in birds, so I'm not even going to try the game." But like, you should just. 
freaking play this game. <laughs> like, like Sarah said, like, why not birds? Like, I've played games about brewing beer. I'm not interested in brewing like, beer. Games about yeah. mining, which I have zero yeah, interest you, in. I watched you all finish up a game recently that was about putting pipe? Not oil. Oh, yeah. Oil. oil. No, no, it was about oil. Like, I don't give a Oil refinery. About to refining be. <laughs> yeah. oil. But you don't hear people go, why oil refining? Like, yeah. why... Or saying you don't like birds. Like, if you're not a fan of something in real life, you're not going to like a game version of it. Like, in real life, I probably wouldn't like zombies. They don't seem like they'd be very nice. (laughs) But zombie games are pretty fun. (laughs) Yeah. And I've played games about race cars, and everyone knows that I don't drive, and I don't really like cars, but I'll have fun, like, racing the little cars around. And, I mean, even games like Rococo is a game about freaking making dresses. Trying to make the most beautiful dresses. And it was my fiancé who picked up that game. It's like, we need to play this. I hear it's really good. And it is, but he doesn't give a shit about making dresses. <laughs> no, no, he does not. <laughs> Patty the dressmaker. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. It's nice. Okay, so we did Sorry. get a bunch of Instagram questions for Hannah just about birds in general. Hooray! Um, but I think before we go into that, can you just give a little bit of background about the work that you do with birds and the birds that you see on the daily? Yeah, so uh, I currently live in Sitka, Alaska, which is the not... It's not the super cold Alaska, it's the raining forever part of Alaska. Uh, we're rarely mentioned, but we are proud of nothing because it's wet all the time. Uh, so I live in a temperate rainforest now, which is kind of fun to say, and I mostly spend time training educational birds that we have. So those are wild birds that have been injured in some way that they can't ever live in the wild again, but have been vetted by our avian director and our veterinarian that they would eventually do well in human care. So like some birds we get in and it's pretty clear they're going to be stressed forever. They will not be education birds. I also spend time taking care of wild birds that are brought in and we will treat, even though we're called the Raptor Center, we will treat any non-domestic, non-invasive bird. So if someone brings in a swan, we'll do our best to get that chunky boy back out in the wild. (laughs) Uh, If someone brings in a baby hummingbird, it's really cute, but we have to feed it like every 15 minutes, but they're really cute because they go... With their little beaks. Can so you explain the size of a baby hummingbird, like in comparison, maybe. Um, to- a baby hummingbird is like the size of a Cadbury cream egg. Like, like shape wise, normal shape wise, mass wise, it weighs about a penny. Maybe not even that. I think we're thinking about different Cadbury eggs. Maybe I am. Let's see. How about, I feel like, like a full grown hummingbird is like the size of a Cadbury cream egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, when they come into us, they're typically already feathered. They just aren't ready to leave the nest yet. Okay. So baby birds grow like really, really quick. Um, we've never had a naked hummingbird. I don't. I don't know how well it would do. Sorry, um, I didn't mean to derail. I was just like trying to imagine teeny, a tiny. baby hummingbird. Yeah. So I say baby. They look like an adult. They just can't live on their own yet. Like me. (laughs) Birds. They're just millennials like us. (laughs) That's why we love them. Do you have any specific birds that you work with that you extra special love? Yeah, I've got me and then three coworkers, and we all have our own personal, not personal, but we are the primary trainer to certain birds. Um, That's because when we work with them, we need to build a trust, and that's hard to do with a wild animal. So basically, I've got some birds that I'm only ever the nice person with. Uh, if we need to do any medical care or anything that is less than pleasing, someone else does it. And for me, those birds are a great horned owl named Owlison. <laughs> She's great. Uh, a bald eagle named Oliver. 
A raven named Onyx, because they just wanted to give me all the O-birds, I guess. I guess. A northern sawwet owl named Tootsie. And then a peregrine falcon named Pele. Cute. Uh, but we have tons of other birds. We have some red-tailed hawks. We have, a, of course, a lot of bald eagles. An American kestrel named Sophie, who... Causes the most injuries, because even though she's tiny, she likes to bite a lot. (laughs) I got a chance to go visit Hannah. Well, Sarah and Arizona have been up there, too, but separately. Mm -hmm. So we got to go see all these birds, and I can (laughs) confirm they are good birds. I... Sophie makes my heart melt. I got to feed her little mealworms, and, like, I wanted to just put her in my pocket and be like, you're my bird now. <laughs> I know that's not good for anyone, but I love you. The key I, to Sophie's heart is mealworms. Uh, and she she is a human imprint. That's why it's okay for strangers to feed her, because when she was a wee little baby bird, she was, people talked to her and fed her and probably, like, touched her a lot. So she imprinted on people. She thinks she is a tiny person, or we are all, like, really big customers. Uh, which means she doesn't have that like natural wild instinct to be afraid of us. So that's why she can be comfortable around humans. And that's also why she bites us when we don't do something right, like not feed her enough mealworms. Uh, instead of moving away from us or just being displeased in general, her first instinct is to bite and tear. Is she just being like a brat? She's she's being a what? I mean... Like a whiny kid, and she's like, "Mom." Kind of. So basically, like an imprinted wild bird isn't like a dog or a cat. They're not domesticated. It's essentially the temperament of a toddler in the body of a murderer. <laughs> Kate, did you bite your mom a lot when you did what you wanted? Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Okay, are we ready for some questions about birds? Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, Instagram user at eikesand Anderson asks. How can one go about getting into falconry? Can you catch and train your own hawk? <laughs> um, yes, to answer the last second question. So falconry, for those who don't know, that's hunting using birds of prey. Basically, instead of, you know, shooting with a gun or a bow and arrow, you go out into a prairie, you startle up a rabbit, you've got a hawk on your glove, you go woo and throw the hawk up in the air, the hawk gets the rabbit, and then you go and you get the hawk away from the rabbit by bribing it with food, and then you give it some of the rabbit because you got to be nice, and then you go about your day. Um, a lot of people who are in falconry are trained for abatement, so where they use birds of prey to chase off pest species, like gulls, because uh, everyone hates gulls, but I love them. But they don't belong near garbage, so they need to be chased away. <laughs> they, seem, um, they seem to think otherwise. <laughs> yeah, I thought garbage was a seagull's natural habitat. Well, they, they, they are very smart scavengers, so where there's a lot of food, they'll eat it. Anyways... Their so name implies to, that their natural habitat is the sea. No, <laughs> it's they not. Really they all parking lots. No. <laughs> Trash goals. Garbage goals. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead, Hannah. Sorry. So, Hannah, hold falconry. on. So, falconry. So, to become a falconer, you need to be an apprentice. Um, I believe that's about a seven-year process. Whoa. And when you do that, you practice under a master falconer. Hmm. And then after those seven years, uh, you're able to do falconry on your own. I'm... Pretty sure you catch your own bird before you become a master falconer, like they help you. So a lot of times what people do is they'll go out, they'll set a trap, and they typically catch younger birds, because younger birds are more willing to go after free food. That is obviously not a great move to do, because they're just so hungry and starving and desperate. Side note, a lot of young birds of prey die, because they're just kind of dumb. So you catch it. It's old enough that it's not going to imprint, but you can train it to work with you. And then after about two years, you just go Fwah! and release it into the wild. And then that bird has like a little a little head start in surviving. Uh, some falconers keep their birds for longer, though. But it, it is actually a thing that like helps a lot of young birds of prey. With falconers, though, it's not their pet. It still is 
It's like a coworker. So, so you take care of them and you feed them and you do what you can, but you're not going to pet them because you don't pet that. your coworkers. I thought I thought that they kept the birds forever and I was starting to feel kind of sad about it. Like, oh, you catch I a mean, bird. I mean, some some do. Some probably. Um there there are some people that will breed birds just for falconry and those birds are imprinted. Yeah. I suppose um, it's a different situation, but, actually, but like catching out of the wild, sort of feel sad. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that like you work with them for a couple of years and then you let them be free. Yeah, it's and really I like nice. That. I um, like we've that. we've a couple of times sent young birds up to a falconer in Anchorage, and he will train them, get them through like a couple of hard seasons, and then release them. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're not imprinted, they just they take off. They don't want anything to do with any of us. Two of them came back, and those are our hawks that we have now because they were imprinted as babies, and so. While the falconer can tell them to hunt, the minute mm-hmm. it's up to their own choice, they're like, feed me, human. I don't want to hunt. It's hard. <laughs> it's like this deep desire growing in my chest to be a master falconer. <laughs> you could, I can, can you put it on your resume? Like, master. I, I believe falconer. in my emails, oh, I have a link that my mom sent me like six years ago that was like, you can be a master falconer. And like, here's the contact information for the person to go to school. And I was like, it takes so long to become a master falconer. You could falconer. have been a master falconer like, right now. I know. Like, it was like six years ago. I could be I could be a falconer by now if only I had started. <laughs> I can send you links to people I know. You can't do falconry in Sitka because there's no open space and you would have to falconry by boat. And it's such an exact science, like, you need your bird to the correct weight by the gram, Mm. otherwise they won't hunt, or they'll be too hungry, Uh, so no falconry in Sitka. Alright, Instagram user at earn327 asks, what do birds do during storms? Typically birds, like, will hide. So, if it's nesting season, they'll hide near their nest to protect their BBs. Uh, if it's not nesting season, they just they just kind of go into a tree and they hunker down. They have very, very strong feet, all birds do. And unlike us, they can grip on something and just leave it like their 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 feet aren't going to get tired and make them release uh so that's also how they can sleep on a f- just standing on one foot uh the ocean birds just weather it they are champs so they like just fly into the storm no they'll just land Angrily. on oh, okay. the water and occasionally you'll see videos mm-hmm. of like giant waves and this little bird just like wee riding them and then they just have like a really stoic like no fucks given face. oh yeah yeah the most <laughs> bland of expressions like, well this is my tuesday <laughs> I remember that about birds. Like, it's actually, like, for us to make a fist, you know, it's, like, that action. But, like, for birds to release, it's, they like, have an action. the opposite sort of, like, muscular yeah. structure. So they can that, like, sleep while gripping. Because yeah. So it's yeah. harder for them to keep their hand, their hand, their yeah. to open, open than it is yeah. to keep it closed. I, would, for I us thought that was opposite. very interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, I will say, because sometimes we also get asked questions, if eagles ever grab a fish and drown, because that does happen sometimes, they're like, oh, no, the eagles can't open their feet. So birds... It's harder, like Sarah says, it's harder for them to open their feet. They can't open their feet. When that happens, it's because that eagle's real hungry. And he's like, I bet I can get this fish to shore. I bet I can do it. Mm -mm. No. That's sad. It is sad. And again, it's normally the young ones, which is sad. (laughs) Because they're dumb. But they can swim. So sometimes you see this eagle, like, swimming to shore and they come out dragging this massive fish. (laughs) I can't imagine seeing an eagle, like, swimming. They flap with their wings. They're They're doing, like, the butterfly (laughs) stroke. Birdfly stroke. That would be something. (laughs) The birdfly stroke. Right, same person also wants to know, is it true that birds aren't real and are actually drone spies for the U.S. government? (laughs) I mean, what are birds? We just don't know. (laughs) If it is, I want to contact their 
sculpturing team because they have done a magnificent job on realism. <laughs> I think that I've possibly heard descriptions of birds from long before the U.S. government was around. <laughs> like, I'm sure, like, some Romans or something had seen a bird and drew a picture. And then eaten that bird. There's, like, hieroglyphics from ancient Egypt of birds. Falconry is maybe thousands of years old. Unless you want to say that yeah. maybe the U.S. government traveled ancient. back in time and planted Ungol- that evidence. Ungolians. I was going to say ancient Mayans were eating Ancient Mayans love turkeys. It was part of their staple. And chickens. Turkeys and chickens. Chickens? Uh-huh. I didn't know chickens were in they South like, America at the time. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of debate about how they got there, if they floated over the ocean. <laughs> or if, like, chicken or like possibly they Passing were, like, a seabird. Good day. there was people that came earlier than we thought, or maybe chickens weren't actually. Was, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's cool. It matters. You matter. At Holo Designs wants to know, do roadrunners ever fly anywhere? Um, roadrunners can fly. They have they have that ability, so they're not like penguins or ostriches that are totally flightless. Uh, roadrunners, though, the shape of their wings is such that they can do like short, fast takeoffs, but they can't really sustain their flight very well. So they prefer to run as they chase down their rattlesnake prey. I um, have an important question about roadrunners. Yes, now, is can they run in midair until they notice that <laughs> they are doing so? And can they run through brick walls if a painting of a tunnel is drawn on it? <laughs> I don't think you could get a painting that looks real enough because their eyes are so much better than ours. <laughs> the midair probably because gravity would help them fly. So yes. are they chased by cartoon coyotes? Ooh, no, actually that one is sad because they can't run faster than coyotes. Oh. <laughs> and you know coyotes tend to like hunt cooperatively. But if you've ever if you've ever seen a duck take off from the water and you see how much like effort they put into those flaps, it looks like they're straining. They have a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, road runners are like that, only they don't have the benefit of running on the water before they take off. They've just got to rely on their awkward little stubby wings. So they can fly, but they don't want to. Good to know. Also, they eat snakes. Rattle Cute. snakes. Cool. I think that's cool. Do they slurp it like a spaghetti? Ooh. <laughs> it's not slurping because they have no lips, but they'll kind of like throw it back and it's like, ow, ow, oh. ow, ow, as it just goes down their throat. So they don't just like peck at it? No. I, I mean, they kill it and then they eat it. Yeah. I was at the zoo they're once carnivores. here in Madison, and there was a cuckoo bird. Is that what they're called? And it had a rat in its beak, and I just watched it like tilt its head back, open its <laughs> mouth, and it just slipped right down. Was it a cuckoo oh, Yeah. A cuckoo yeah. yeah. A cuckoo oh, yeah. Birds, birds faces are deceptive with it how tiny was. their beaks are versus how big their mouth is. Uh, we gave one of our bald eagles a deer leg, because hunters will donate stuff, That's and as long as they haven't uh, shot the deer with lead ammunition, we can give it to our birds. Lead ammunition is really bad, maybe don't use it. But this bald eagle got a whole deer leg with hooves, so about, I don't know how long that is, like, a foot? Ha, a foot. Depends on what joint we're going from, right? Well, how long is this, is what I'm saying. Hold, oh, I'm yeah, holding up my hands. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, that's what I was asking. Like a foot, yes, yeah, so that looks like a foot to me. So she got a deer leg that was a foot long, with hooves, swallowed the whole thing, and then later coughed up the, like, deer hoof outer bit. Because cool. her stomach it. dissolved the rest of it. Give it as a gift, be like, this deer hoof was once inside an eagle. Oh, I wanted cool. it, but my coworker already claimed it, because oh. she cleaned that day, and so she got it. Bummer. So yeah, they can swallow big stuff. Cool. Probably babies, not babies. At Core Underground wants to know, have any of the birds featured in this game ever pooped on your head? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yes, I have. I have had bird poo... Uh, whether it's because the bird was on my head. So Sophie, the American Kestrel, sometimes likes to jump on your head because uh, she knows you can't get her off without her, her decreeing it being okay. And <laughs> as previously spoken of, birds don't care where they're pooping. 
So she has, uh, yeah, she was on my head, and then she's just like, boop, and muted is the term for when birds go to the bathroom. I didn't know that. Yeah, th- so the white stuff is, like, their pee, and the brown stuff is their actual poo bits. Mm-hmm. She did that. There was one time where we were raising a dark-eyed junco, and it was got out, and it perched on my head, and it pooped. Mm-hmm. Birds often poop before they take off, so if they're scared, they're going to poop and then fly. Uh, and then one of the enclosures we have to clean you go underneath all these perches where these eagles are, and I heard a noise, and I felt a splatter, and I was like, that's weird, it's warm, why is the rain warm? And then I looked at my arm, and it just, like, coated in warm. Gross. I don't think I've ever been pooped on by a wild bird, like, out in nature. Oh, really? I have. Guess you're just lucky. Last time I was at at Broughtfest, I was sitting underneath a tree having a serious conversation with my friend, and then all of a sudden, (laughs) bloop. I have a photo of someone... An old friend of mine, after they'd just gotten pooped on by a bird. I think we were like angsty high school teenagers (laughs) out taking angsty high school teenage photos. So I had like my camera, my digital camera out, taking pictures of her, and it was just a perfect time. She got pooped on, she had her face, and I captured that. Excellent. Follow up question for that though is it true that it's good luck to get pooped on by a bird? I think whoever started that just didn't want people to feel bad for being pooped on. Well, like, they got pooped on and they were, like, really embarrassed. Yeah, they're like, no, it's cool, it's good luck. Eh." I think you should feel so lucky as to be pooped on by a bird. Yeah. I mean, it makes for a great story. Like, you're lucky to have a good icebreaker now. I just want to say that I've never met Sophie, but I love her. I can send you some snaps of her. (laughs) I love all uh, of your snaps that you said, but I just We give her a pan of water and she gets really excited about taking a bath. She gets super fluffy until she's, like, entirely spherical. Um, yeah, she's a, she's a great little kestrel. We're lucky to have her. I mean, it'd be better if she was in the wild, but you take what you got. <laughs> and we have several variants of this question. Firstly, what is your favorite bird? But secondly, what is the best <gasps> bird? That's that's not a fair question. The scientifically best the bird. The scientifically <laughs> best bird. What bird birds the best? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, according to Wingspan, I mean, it's the raven. Well, if to bird is to reproduce in numerous amounts, I would say starlings are the best is at that. that. Like the the what makes a bird a bird? I don't know what makes it reproducing. What makes a cow a cow? I don't know I don't what the know. qualifications I don't, are. I can't name what the best bird I is. I would I'm say not the best bird is the Arctic tern because they fly the most, and that is a very bird feat. Um, they circumnavigate the world when they do their migration. So they start up at the north, and then they go wee 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 all the way down to the southern hemisphere, oh, and then back like a pig. Wee 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 wee. Cool. It's a good bird. Um, and they're not that big, so that's kind of cool. I like that. I don't. You only get one bird. A favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you can't choose more than one bird. You only get okay, one. Well, all birds are good birds. The best one is, and now she's answering oh, her favorite. Okay. And okay. they're all so different and amazing. I have trouble having a favorite bird. One of my favorites, I will say. Though. No, you only get one. <laughs> Dang it. Okay. Okay. Hannah's wearing bird earrings right now too. She's I am. a real big bird. And they're bird they're of they're of one of the birds that is up there in my heart. So I will just say to match my earrings that my favorite bird is the turkey vulture. Uh, vultures, I feel, do not get the best rap. Rep. They don't get the best reputation. But they sure can rap. Because they, they, they can rap like no other. Wicka, 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 vulture, whoa. I can't rap, though. I need a turkey vulture to train Sorry. Um, so they, they, vultures in general get kind of looked down on because they eat dead things and they're smelly. And sometimes their form of defense is, is projectile vomiting. And sometimes the way they cool themselves is to poop on their feet. <laughs> You know what? You do what you gotta do. I really like them, though, because if they weren't around, there'd be so much more dead, smelly stuff everywhere. And also, their stomach acid is so incredibly strong that they can actually destroy bacteria. So, like, there there was a big vulture die-off in South Africa, and then 
there was an increased rate of, I want to say like salmonella or something, because meat, or not salmonella, no, whatever. If there's tainted meat lying around, vultures will eat it and be like, no, no, that's great. When they poop, the whatever was tainting that meat is gone. And so if runoff, you know, if it rains and the runoff goes into anything that we have to deal with as people, we're not going to get whatever that bacteria or disease was. On the downside, vultures, like, they can still get poisoned and people poison them because they're big, kind of creepy looking birds that eat dead stuff. I like vultures a lot. Can I tell you what one of my favorite they're real vultures big is? So ever since I was a kid, seeing circling vultures lets me go, hey, you think there's a dead body over there? <laughs> that was a very. I've heard you say that many a time on car trips. <laughs> can I, can I, I've, I've done it ever since I was a child with my family going places. Can oh, I add a good dead body fact to that? Sure. So turkey vultures uh, have a pretty great sense of smell, and sometimes gas companies will look for them when they're trying to find a leak in gas pipes because the gas smells like because they make they put the rotting egg smell in it, mm-hmm. and turkeys are like ooh turkey vultures are like ooh there's food I'm gonna go over here and then when they're trying to find the leak in the gas pipe they can just be like hey there's a lot of vultures over there maybe there's a leak in the gas body pipe. Over there. <laughs> or a dead body so you can do both now Sarah well, you, you do you have a favorite bird uh yeah I do have a favorite bird it's the wood stork um, oh I know that's like weird a, bird yeah. but when I lived in Florida wood storks are are they used to be very endangered and they're becoming more prolific in the wild and like they have a weird friggin like scabby skin yeah, on their they head. do not look pretty and you know, they're really like baby. they're huge tall stork birds and they look really neat and storks are supposed to be like good luck in a lot of cultures and I just think they're cool and I like their weird scabby heads they look like they have leprosy <laughs> Like the like the stork delivering the baby, not a wood stork. <laughs> <laughs> you think you get a baby with leprosy? Yeah. <laughs> it looks a lot. Those look a lot like a wood stork, except if you made the head naked and yeah, scabby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> naked and scabby. I like how they're like perched too on the tip of very very tall trees. Yeah, they're neat. They're, they're just neat. I think. <laughs> they're just neat. Anybody else have a favorite bird? I'm not creative. My favorite bird. I like those giant, scary, awesome spoonbills. Is that what they're called? Oh, the, the rosy, the pink ones. The other one, the one, there's that video on the internet of them battling Oh, shoebills. Oh, shoebill. That's not a North American bird, I believe. North American bird. The, the blue ones that look like they're mad all the time? Yeah. Yeah, They're really bills. awesome. Okay, yeah. well, then I like any bird that's by the water. Ocean birds. I don't know. <laughs> that's what I pay for. <laughs> I like cormorants. They're pretty cool. Oh, cormorants. Yeah. I like my, like, inner, like, goth emo person likes ravens a lot. And my, like, the childish me that likes, like, Edgar Allan Poe, like, the Raven <laughs> poem. Just, you know. We have- and also, that's one of the five birds you can name. And it's one of the five birds I can name. We had, we had a crow in rehab that was released, but we called him Edgar Allan Crow. <laughs> Kate, do you have a favorite bird? I like all birds that are little, especially if they are round, and I like to see them on the ground, like, hopping around, because it's adorable and cute, and it makes me laugh so hard. <laughs> Fat bird orb. Yeah. A borb. I like, borb. <laughs> I like those borbs. <laughs> winter, winter time is peak borb, because they fill yeah. up their feathers. <laughs> I will admit, that's why I like, like, quails, like, they're like, oh, they're cute. They're so round. <laughs> yeah. What's a good round bird? <laughs> I mean, when it's cold, chickadees. Chickadee. Kinglet's also very round. I mean, all birds very kind borby. of have the ability to make yeah, themselves round. <laughs> What's that? There's like, a, there's like a flightless parrot. Yeah, in I mean, everything. It's just about fluffing up the it's feathers. It's not really is. about, like, how they're actually shaped. <laughs> okay, thank you, Hannah, for Yay. talking about birds. Should I we like move birds. on? 
Um, Wingspan, as we've already discussed, was designed by Elizabeth Hargrave, who you might guess from the name Elizabeth is a woman. And the three artists for this game are also three women, which, I mean, one is great because the game industry is not necessarily super balanced as we would like it to be. So it's just great Mm -hmm. to see more ladies out there. But it's also come with a lot of questions and discussions. I don't want to say all the way to like a controversy, but instead of people just talking about this game being a good game, there's a lot of discussion about, oh, that must be for girls. Or, mm-hmm. you know, some people even only know about this game because they think it's like a girl game. So we wanted to take a few minutes to talk about women game designers and also just women in games like lady gamers and kind of what that's like what's the direction of that like and kind of how that ties into that game because this is definitely kind of a hot topic on the internet right now i feel like everyone listening can't be all that surprised that we're interested in this topic (laughs) (laughs) we pretty much talk about whether there are female characters in every game that we discuss most of the birds if they are sexually dimorphic, where the males are different from the females, they use the dudes, but the dudes are typically prettier. Yeah. So I have no problem with the game being majority dudes. <laughs> and we, yeah, we are all female identifying, and this is, you know, something we're interested in. Elizabeth Hargrave has had to have to deal with this a lot since designing this game, too. There specifically was a New York Times article written about her, so she got a lot of exposure in relation to this game. The article was called, She Invented a Board Game with Scientific Inte- Integrity. It's taking off. Good pun there. But whenever people interview her about this game, they like to say things like, how do you feel being one of the only female board game designers or the only woman in board gaming right now? And that's like a really inaccurate statement, obviously, because the gamers aren't as... Like, I can't, there's not, population difference in, like, gender in board gaming isn't as big as it used to be, and it's getting pretty close to being 50-50, I think, in some communities. I mean, I think a lot of times when, you know, especially, like, in our experience, um, it's a lot closer to even. The places yeah. we go, it's oh, a absolutely. lot closer to even, and there's still this just, like, old idea that's stuck in a lot of people's heads that, like, gaming is, I mean, one, nerdy, which I think a lot of people in general who are into that kind of nerdy, geeky stuff get kind of like, oh, well, girls are the minority. But yeah, in board gaming, a lot of people do assume that it's Mm -hmm. just men when that's just like obviously not the case. So now with this game, people are like, oh, wow, holy shit, it's made by a woman, which while it is very cool, maybe the conversation should just be like, oh, wow, holy shit, this game is really cool. Yeah. This is a fun game. Like maybe a focused interview for some magazine that does deal with with gender issues could ask about that kind of stuff but like if you're just asking about a game you're not like so how do you deal being a man designing a board game exactly and that's like there's a lot of unintentional sexism in like the board gaming community in general and like asking elizabeth hargrave how it feels being like the only woman designing board games is unintentionally sexist because she designed a board game she did a really great job. Like, she isn't also the only woman in board mm-hmm. gaming. And she put, she actually put together, compiled the list because she thought, she wanted to like point out how many there actually are. And currently her list is ongoing, but she has 200 non-men identifying board game designers. It, there's, there's women and non-binary folks, all sorts of 
people <laughs> on this list, and uh, it's currently at 200 people. So she is nice. not the only woman in the board gaming industry and designing games right now. I feel like uh, initially, like the, part of the whole thing about this game was that it's an all woman design team, which is a, mm-hmm. like a yes. little bit more rare, obviously, yes. and very cool. Um, and then all of a sudden it turned into this is a, the only woman designed game or like the only game for women or something, which is obviously mm-hmm. not true. Was it Monopoly design? I mean, I know, I know when we're talking about games, people don't really put Monopoly in the same I category. I can't just throw out whether no, Monopoly yeah. was identical like was <laughs> invented by a woman or not. Um, I off the yes. top of my Someone head. Can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I feel like yes. Call out the artists though, because they're all they're all amazing. So there's mm-hmm. Ana Maria Martinez Jaramillo, and her Instagram is at a n a m dot Martinez dot j, and then Natalia Rojas, which is at Natalia underscore Rojas underscore art, and then Beth Sobel, which is at Beth Sobel, and Beth Sobel has done the art on Herbaceous. She well. did Herbaceous, yes, and she yeah. was one of a few artists on Arboretum. Mm-hmm. Those are ones I know we've mentioned on the show before. I know she's done a lot more, but she does really good work in a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we should probably, you know, shout her out for all of those, and not just Wingspan. Yep. But yeah, there's Thanks definitely the women doing great things it's pretty. in games right now. And there was also a study done on the from 2018 in Board Game Geek's Top 200 Games, looking at the Looking at how many male board game designers versus female board game designers versus people of color and so forth, just to look at the representation. And in 2018, it was found that 93.5% of all the games in the top 200 on BGG were white men. There were seven out of the 200 that had a white female designer solely responsible or jointly responsible for a game. So only seven. Non-white men represented 4.1% of the population in the top 200. And then in 2018, in this study, there was no women of color designer board games featured in that sample. That's a huge disparity. Huge. And yeah. it doesn't mean that these people aren't designing board games. It means that, like... They lack the opportunity to sell them or market them. Exactly. Or they're not getting the representation. To, and yeah. The same opportunities, yeah. necessarily, as the rest of them. Because, like, especially in... Birds, for some reason, this game is being gendered as, like, a girl's game, which <laughs> doesn't birds. make sense to me because <laughs> birds are not... I mean, there's, like, stereotypically gendered interests, right? Only but, like, ladies, has kind of. birds ever been a stereotypically gendered interest, though? Like, birds... No. So. no <laughs> bird watchers! I mean, it was... Bird watchers can be either... Like, dudes at the start. I, yeah. Well, I mean, ma- it the, was, the notable yes, bird yes, like, ornithologists of early days were all dudes, but, like... Because, yeah. That's and how it was. But it nowadays you go to an Audubon meeting and it's, it's old people. It's mostly old people, to be honest. I was going to say, like, bird watchers. It's a mix of genders. Old. Yeah. All but of like, them old. Um, wow. <laughs> Sorry. We're old. I'm stereotyping <laughs> bird watchers. I think old. So, I mean, it does piss me off just, like, saying that certain interests are for girls and certain interests are for boys. And that's something that people love to argue. But, like, birds is not one of them, yeah. I don't think. So why is this game... People are so turned off by it sometimes. Yeah, I don't know. Like, a they're lot not of people... interested. They're not interested in birds. And I worry that it is gendered. It might be unconsciously gendered, but like, because a lot of the talk and the focus is that it's designed by women and created by women, are people unconsciously being turned off of it because of the fact? I don't, I don't know. I think that 
you know, part of that, like, big hype about it being an Mm all-woman design probably did, like, Mm -hmm. cement this idea in people's minds that this is, like, a women's game, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think that this game, like, if it had come out under a male designer's name, would have, like, been just as popular and just as, like, notable, but maybe wouldn't have had some of the backlash that you see against this game. Because I have seen a lot of people say, like, oh, this game is so overhyped and stuff. Obviously, I disagree with. (laughs) I've played this game so many times, um, and it's definitely, like, worth all the hype that I've seen for it. And so fun. I think that, like, a little bit of that does come mm-hmm. from, like, a gendered aspect. Yeah. It's one of, like, yeah. the best design games I've played, I think, mm-hmm. and it's it's wonderful. It's yeah. not gendered in any yeah, way. It's and, well, and the fact that it has been kind of gendered in this weird way, it's both helpful and hurtful, I think, because it is getting people to talk about women in games yeah. more often, and, you know, as much as we like to believe that it's even, like, we are coming from a kind of history when people are thinking yeah. it's a little more dude-centric, so if it is getting more girls to think that, hey, I can play games when my brother told yes. me I couldn't, yeah. like, that's great. But then dudes are kind of steering clear of it. People are thinking that maybe women like to play different types of games. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you mm-hmm. wouldn't like this other game. Why don't you just go play Wingspan instead? And I think that can be kind of hurting the way people think of this. Um, even Jamie Stagmire, who is kind of the head honcho at Stonemire Games, he released basically some of the statistics on um, the kind of people who would, like subscribe to the newsletter and things. And he pointed out that this year, 2019, they had a big spike in female people who signed up and identified as female when they did, like, the sign up. And he attributed it to this game. And I don't want to say that he's wrong, because, like, it's a good game, but I'd like to think that it would have brought in a lot of both men and women. Or maybe it's just that more women are playing games and are okay with it, because they're probably also really into, like, tapestry and viticulture and these other games. And it's honestly probably partially, like, just a false correlation because of how heavily the marketing was towards this game being a female, a, a female driven design that like people, women or female identified people who heard about it were like, oh, that sounds interesting. I should sign up. I'd like to support women gamers or mm-hmm. women designers, and so I will sign up for the newsletter, which they might not have otherwise done. Yeah, yeah cetera, I mean, that's the, like, balancey thing that's hard. Because, yeah. I mean, 93%, you said? 93%. 93% white dudes. So if a game comes out and it's not, and it, it's developed and created by someone who isn't in that 93%, you kind of want to be like, awesome, let's, yeah, let's go jump on a further effort <laughs> yeah. since they're already in this industry where there's there's not a, a lot of of people there. Like, it, it must be kind of hard in A refreshing new perspective, something yeah, that you don't see Yeah, a different experience that you games. can get. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to see that, but then when it be, yeah, like, then when it becomes, that's the sole defining thing. It's not, look at the cool art on these cards, or like, how scientifically accurate it is, or like, what a fun game it can be for a variety of players, but this is a game for ladies, yeah, and it's and like, maybe it'll attract some ladies, but it might also drive away people who are more interested in what the game is. And it's such an awesome, developed, and playable game that I want them to focus on that. And in 2019, there's probably more women who identify, people who identify as women board gamers than, like, ever. So, like, that well, yeah. could contribute I to mean, I feel the, like board games are getting more, just more popular, yeah, more popular. every year. Like, every year they just keep becoming more and more popular in general among mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. So, like... I feel like that also has to be taken into effect. Yeah. So while it's very great that this was made all by women who, because they apparently need to like fight to stake their claim in the Mm -hmm. male dominated industry, uh, we need to make sure to celebrate that, but also maybe just make more normalize it. So it's less unusual Mm -hmm. that we're seeing girls in games and also accept that the games themselves are not gender. Yeah. (laughs) Girls love wingspan, but boys love wingspan too. Mm -hmm. And also, Girls love Dungeons and Dragons, and they play 
you know, Warhammer. Like, we need to make sure that we know that everyone mm-hmm. can play all games, and the fact that we're girls or boys maybe doesn't actually have that much to do with it. <laughs> Crazy <laughs> idea. Evolutionary concept, you Kate. Be of any or no gender and yeah. still like to play board games <laughs> doesn't really get in the way. <laughs> Which is a weird concept to say because all kids play board games. No, like, yeah. <laughs> everyone grows up as a kid playing board games and no one's like, board games are for girls. Oh, my friend's your brother came games, over right? though and flipped out because. So my brother was watching me, he's older than me, and I wanted to play Pretty Pretty Princess because you get to put on, like, Julie, it's, it's, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's a you're a kid, it's a game. fun game. <laughs> and he's a wonderful brother, so he and I were playing that, and his friend stopped by, and we were like, great, a third person, because this game doesn't really work when it's, you know, a ten-year-old and a yelling fire, or uh, me, I was a baby, I'm very yelly. And his friend was like, I can't play that game. Like, that's a game for girls. Why are you playing that game? This is why we need less toxic masculinity. And it was so (laughs) dumb. My brother just, like, laughed at it. It was like, I'm playing this game because I'm babysitting my sister and she wanted to play it. And also, it's a game. Like, it's it's not not gonna do anything to me if I put this little crown on because I won't. And uh, we were talking about unintentional sexism, and Peace Loving Games on YouTube posted a video about the unintentional sexism that they often face. And one of the hardest parts still to do of the video was she took her two sons to a board game store to try to pick out a game for their 16-year-old sister. And the the person working at the board game store was very dismissive of them and and insinuated to that these kids that their sister wouldn't be interested in a board game because she would be interested in, in other things because she's mm-hmm. a 16-year-old girl. And that was the first time she said that her two sons had ever had to confront the idea that board games weren't for everyone and that like because she's a girl she might not like board games because they grew up in a family where like the mom like mom dad plays board games sister and brothers play board games and like that was really hard for her and like upsetting because these comments do matter and they are especially imprinted on kids and things like that so yeah. yeah and even i really like that video too because even like more obviously kind of rude stuff like that where he's being very assumptive a lot of people who even don't even like realize that they're being mm-hmm. kind of sexist in gaming. It's just they don't want to be rude to women, but they, you know, maybe this was like an older idea or it's their own personal experience aren't used to it. So even without trying to be hateful, there is this kind of idea of, oh, there's one woman at this game demo. She must be here because her husband is here or mm-hmm. something. When we need to just be like, no, she's probably here because she wants to play the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, are you bo- are you buying that board game for your husband? Yeah. Like, so no, so funny. even just like some of those ideas, just stop being assumptive about anybody why anyone is there because i mean you don't know maybe your husband is there because she wants to be there Mm -hmm. yeah and it doesn't seem like a big thing to have an issue with but it does because even if you're not trying to be rude and all you're saying is like are you here with your boyfriend or like are you here because of your boyfriend boyfriend what it comes across is you don't belong here and when you're all gathering for a shared interest, it's saying you don't actually share this interest. You're only here because you have to be. And that's mm-hmm. hurtful. It's like, no, we all want to be nerds together and play board games together. Yeah. So, yeah, even a lot of the stuff is not meant to be hateful. And we know that we're trying to be really accepting. So it's just something that people need to be at least just, like, kind of casually aware of. Because we know that no one's trying to be, like, an asshole in games. Well, I mean, there are. <laughs> there are some assholes. As, 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 the Prius Tree asshole yeah. episode. <laughs> as in everything. But, yeah, ultimately we just need to all just, like, chill the fuck out and just be friends. And know that, you know, girls and boys and people who identify as neither and old people and young people, they all just like to play games and we just need to 
Have fun. Yeah, if you're playing with games. a game someone identifies as a woman, you know, you don't have to make any sort of comment about it at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, with playing with friends, I will say Wingspan is a nice game where even if there's cards where you can kind of, like, mess with other people, but it's never so much that I feel targeted. It's well, always, like... I hate in this game, except, I mean, people yeah. take the birds you want, but... Well, yeah, but, I, like, like with the tree games or Sarah's with other games, you can Sarah feel very, very, hate. like, why are you targeting me with this <laughs> anger rage? You know what? Birds are um, full of hate, and birds would have <laughs> appreciate how full of hate I am. <laughs> Can confirm. It's not my fault that you always steal all the hawks when I want to play the hawk. The hawk Arizona card. is a notorious raptor thief. She will always play all the raptors. She's all them birds of prey. I will steal the cute ones, <laughs> non maliciously. I like the water birds. Emily just wants to be in the water. The fact, water and the fact that there are birds there is just like a cool side bonus. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if they if they add more like pelagic birds, like the far ocean ones that nest occasionally, but mostly are just like, peace out, homies, I'm well, on the ocean. I think that they're gonna like so they're gonna do all the continents, but I assume not Antarctica and maybe those Antarctic birds. Well, well they did North America and they didn't have like MERS. They did North America and they didn't have Maybe they would get added into oh, some okay. of these other Yeah, I guess these probably had all birds in North yeah. America. <laughs> I want it to be. The wingspan. So comprehensive. <laughs> Here's your 50-pound box. Yeah. I would be okay with that. So typically this point in the podcast is when we move on to our big board of board games, which we have mentioned before, but if you are new because you were so into wingspan, this <laughs> is a list of all of the games that we have played so far and discussed on the podcast, we're ranking them in order of the weight or complexity rating that people can vote on on BoardGameGeek.com. So essentially, it's just, you know, a fun little score um, somewhere between one to five about relatively how complex it is, how easy it is to learn and play. So we have some, you know, a whole bunch of games on this board now. So how do we think that Wingspan fits in um, kind of in the greater purview of games. <laughs> I would like to note I'm holding the board right now. It's gotten a lot heavier. Yeah, it's got a lot of games on it. It's got a lot of games on there. Um, but I personally think Wingspan, uh, so we have Blood Rage right now at 2.88, mm-hmm. and we have Betrayal at House on the Hill at 2.37. I think Wingspan is gonna land in that range, maybe at a Maybe like right at the middle, at like a two point like five is where I lean. I feel exactly the thing that I wanted to say. <laughs> I really think that it belongs like a two point five ish range up there. Partially, I feel like Betrayal House on the Hill is way over That's where it belongs, oh, it but, is, it but I still over. think it belongs in that range. And that was gonna be my opinion that it is above Betrayal. But I also think Betrayal is yeah. like I'm way kind of high ignoring on Betrayal the- and more looking at like between. Boss, which is mm-hmm. 2.33. Yeah. yeah. And Blood Rage. So I feel like it's not Blood Rage level, but mm-hmm. I think maybe around yeah, Boss so level. Mid twos. So, two point something. We all two agree. We all agree I, that birds are more difficult than trees, mm-hmm. but I, not as difficult as splashing the blood of your enemies true. onto the earth. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I like this game so much that I actually like paid really good attention to the rules, but it seems kind of easy to play. It is. Yeah. Um, I would I would put it more near Parks. Oh. Kind of sort of like style. a 2.0. Yeah. May, I want to put it higher than Parks because yeah. I like it more. <laughs> so you're saying just maybe just above a 2.0? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I like a 2.1. 2. Mm-hmm. 2. Okay. Because I struggled with Arboretum. I struggled with the point system a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Arboretum's listed at a 2.16. Those tree games are harder so. than, I think, the BGG thinks. 
Well, Hannah, I'm really glad that you thought this game was easy to learn because we all wanted to share it with you, obviously, because of birds. <laughs> but everybody else was right. It's <gasps> right in between Betrayal and Blood Rage. Well, location-wise, number-wise, we're definitely closer to the Betrayal end at a 2.38. Oh, oh wow. Just above Betrayal. Which you know, I think that maybe it's better if I pretend that Betrayal isn't on there yeah. because Betrayal uh-huh. is just like, not, it's so not as wrong. hard of a game as everyone on that... <laughs> On the on the forums things, I guess. Yeah, I just like it too much to think it's, it's hard. Feast. I want to love it forever. Yeah. yeah, so our heaviest game is still a feast for Odin at three point eight two. Will it ever be the And our easiest is still Tempura. I don't know. Do you at want to play Axis and Allies? Yeah. Why would we ever talk about Axis and Allies, Hannah? If Have we wanted a game that's podcast? more horrible than Feast for Odin, not horrible, more beefy. We only talk about games that we like. Yeah. <laughs> then we will never speak of it again. Spoiler alert of this podcast. We only want to say good things about games, and so we only talk about games that we like. I bet you could say something nice about Axis and Allies. Like, it exists. It sure. has miniatures in it. It, it takes a lot of the way for a lot of other types of games, since it's one of the oldest yeah. games. But good on you, Axis and Allies. I, don't, I played you I don't once, play and it. that was enough. <laughs> Well, great. That's that. It's official now that birds are less difficult than Vikings, but not that much less. But yeah. trickier than trees. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah, what about bird Vikings? How do those read? <gasps> <laughs> Let's design a board game. <laughs> I mean, obviously ravens. But I think we should throw geese in there some bit because geese, geese, geese channel that blood rage. Oh yeah, geese have a lot of rage inside them. <laughs> it's because they know they used to be dinosaurs. You are a horrible goose, and it's Ragnarok. <laughs> <laughs> I would play that game a lot. All right, that must mean that it's time for our wrap-up question of oh, the day. So in this game, every card has a little fun fact on the bottom about each bird. So I want to hear what everybody's favorite bird fact is. We're going to read their name and scientific name. Oh, Just yeah. Tell me everything about Oh, really? Bird. You want the scientific just, name, too? Oh, God. Let's oh. all listen to us. <laughs> That's going to be hard to say. Okay. I'll listen to us pronounce. Do I want it? No. Do I want to hear you try to pronounce it? Yes. <laughs> okay. We'll do it. My bird card is the green heron. Scientific name, Butor... Butterides? <laughs> that can't Bur- be right. I haven't, didn't get to practice this before trying. <laughs> Butterides Virescens. That was beautiful. <laughs> a butter... Butterides? Cannot be right. And uh, it's a green heron. I said that already. It's a beautiful bird. It's got a little fish in its beak. And I picked this card because it's a water bird. And I like its special little fact on the bottom. It says, green herons drop insects and other objects into the water to attract fish. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Give a heron a fish. It's going to go die. Teach a heron to fish. <laughs> fish for a lifetime. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's so going to go die. Yeah. Um, also, if you ever want to see just how much the magic of feathers can camouflage a bird's body shape, type in green heron and zoop, Z-O-O-P. You will see them go from little cute round bird to all the neck. Okay. Is this, is there a YouTube video of this? Uh, there is a YouTube oh, video of it. Yeah. Yes. We'll post it on the blog, everybody. It'll be a great time for everyone. <laughs> and it's also why you wear safety glasses when working with herons, because they go for the eyes. <laughs> uh, so I chose the turkey vulture, Catharides aura. That's how I'm going to pronounce Much better that. Than me. Well, that's how I decided. You were first when we sprung it on you. Um, so I chose this for its bird fact, and because I think vultures are cool, though Hannah kind of spoiled I'm my bird sorry. fact. I'm sorry, I just got excited about but vultures. turkey vultures can projectile vomit to defend themselves, which I think is 
Neat. <laughs> very neat. <laughs> if I could do that, I feel like it would be very effective. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, super don't come near me. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to projectile vomit on you. You can give a warning maybe for I'm oh, not wow. going to attack someone that's projectile vomit. <laughs> I no. could no. get real dark and mention that it is a good defense mechanism no. to use. But <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Like if someone's okay. coming at you like I'm gonna rape you and you're just like and exa- exactly okay. tell people to throw up on your on yourself. To- anyway, sorry. That's what I do. In happier news the bird I have selected a good small round boy <laughs> is the yellow rumped warbler. Oh. Cetophaga coronata. Ooh. This okay. is a cute little bird with a yellow feather on his butt, hence the yellow rumped name. And the fun fact is that birders sometimes call these birds butter butts. <laughs> <laughs> I am learning this live, and I love that. It's a very cute fact. <laughs> All right. Mine is a spotted sandpiper. Actitis macularius would be the scientific name, maybe. These sandpipers constantly bob their tails. People call them teeter peeps and tip tails. <laughs> I chose this fact purely on how cute I thought it would be to say teeter peeps. I need to like go to a lecture that has like a PhD ornithologist and hear them saying, here we see the teeter peep. The majestic teeter peep. (laughs) Um, And my bird fact that I chose is the tufted titmouse. Their scientific name is Baeolophus bicolor. Maybe I got that right. That made me look bad. They eat whatever the heck they want. And their little cool fact is that titmice are key in the formation of mixed species flocks, which just makes me feel like they're just like little counselors and they go around to like the chickadees and the dark-eyed juncos and they're like, all right, we got to work together. It's winter. Let's all be a good group together. Which I know isn't true, but now I just imagine a titmouse with glasses. And they're it's, like it's the cute. guidance counselors. Yeah, they're little the guidance counselors, Aww. yeah. That's cute. <laughs> I have three bird cards in front of me because I couldn't choose until this last minute, and I still want to choose all of them. <laughs> I will defend Emily that I would also pronounce this first word as butterides. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, Emily. You, I mean, you brought it on yourself. You're the one who wanted to I say wanted the scientific to name. I their scientific names, but then I actually looked at mine and was like, oh no. <laughs> All right, I think that might be a wrap on Wingspan. Mm -hmm. Here's a long list of stuff to check out, you guys. Send us an email with any bird-related questions, comments, your thoughts about Wingspan, etc. We're notplayingtowin at gmail.com. Also, check out our blog at notplayingtowin.wordpress.com. For this particular episode, definitely please check it out because we're going to fill that thing with bird pictures and bird memes and um, videos of herons going whoop. And uh, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at NotPlayingToWin. Once again, Instagram is definitely the way to go. We still don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> it's confusing. Twitter's not working on We don't know. We're all about birds, but we don't know how to use Twitter. <laughs> Can't tweet. Well, I can. I know more about tweets like tweet, 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 tweet. I know more I about bird songs than I do about Twitter. <laughs> That's a good ratio to have. (laughs) And then new and exciting is that a friend of ours actually made a subreddit for us, so our not playing to win. As of now, there's not a lot there because, (laughs) once again, I don't really know how to use most social medias, 
But I think this is really exciting. And if anybody is on Reddit, let's get this thing going. We want to see your pictures of games, your stories of games, especially any time that you just failed magnificently in a true not playing to win fashion. I think this could be a real Mm -hmm. fun thing to get going. And I want to see memes. Memes. (laughs) All the memes. Please. Do you have any beautiful dice? I'd like to see pictures of those dice yes. because we just they're want colorful everything. and lovely. Yeah, um, upgraded game components, um, especially if you've done it, like DIY, DIY stuff. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's fun. Cool. Paint mm-hmm. your Zulkin wheel, show it to me, and shame me into painting my Zulkin wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I'm going to make a playlist for this game, probably have some cute bird songs. We'll find the cutest and chirpiest and happiest <laughs> ones and put them on the playlist on Spotify so it'll be NPTW Wingspan. For your background music needs. Yay. Yay. Any any closing comments? Caw! Birds are cool. Caw, caw, mother cluckers. <laughs> Hannah, still, do you have any last minute bird facts? I still really like cheeples. Cheeples! <laughs> Don't forget to go online and order your cheeples so you can use them to go play Wingspan right Yay. now! Yay! Bye. Okay, we're back with an addendum. I know we had previously discussed that maybe those ravens weren't that overpowered, but naturally after recording this podcast, we immediately wanted to play the game and we would just like to say that, holy shit, those things suck. They're really overpowered. I don't know how to fix it, but wow. That's all for this addendum. So just don't forget that a bird in the hand is worth two in the butt. (laughs) Not playing to win.